Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, September 14th, we are studying Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 32. This text presents a marked shift in the book of Proverbs. We begin to encounter what we typically think of when it comes to Proverbs, those short statements of wisdom. And yet we cannot lose sight of the context that Solomon has laid for us concerning the source of true wisdom. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Joel Hawk. Pastor Hawk serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in Rochester, Minnesota. Pastor Hawk, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Good to be with you again, Pastor Apple. Thanks for having me. So as we get started this morning, Pastor Hawk, the question of context does come to bear a little bit more here than it has elsewhere in the book of Proverbs. The question of context isn't quite the same in this book as it is with narratives, even with epistles. But we do see a bit of a shift here in the book of Proverbs. Uh, what's, what's Solomon been doing in the first nine chapters? What's the move that he makes going into chapter 10? Well, in the first uh, nine chapters, as I'm sure you've been exploring, it seems that he uh, you know, lays out some overarching themes in uh, some longer poems and uh, you know, kind of outlining the path of wisdom or, or why wisdom is to be valued, why uh, wisdom is so uh, important to, to have, to find, to seek after, and to receive uh, in this life. And then uh, here in chapter 10, uh, as you said in the introduction, he, he does you know, seem to shift and uh, we get some more of these, you know, what seem to be pithy sayings or the, uh, you know, the, the kind of statement by statement uh, topics that uh, that we associate with with Proverbs normally. Uh, but he does, uh, as we'll see, he, he does connect it back and at least lead us into helping us understand, you know, these are all flowing from that source of the first nine chapters about uh, about wisdom and why it's important to have. So as we go into this long section, because what we see here in chapter 10 is going to be pretty characteristic of the book of Proverbs from here on out. We will get some longer sections where you've got several verses in a row that definitely go together a longer poem, perhaps like what we've seen in in chapter 9 and previous. But as we go forward into these, what often seem disjointed, short one or two line statements what should be we be looking for what are some of the the big themes and, and feel free to talk large scale picture on the book of proverbs and also specifically to chapter 10 yeah sure so there are some places and you know it can be a couple verses or it can be a series of verses or it could be a general collection of verses um, that you know maybe you know fit an overall theme or maybe a couple a seem out of place but overall you can catch a theme um, that there can be some themes uh, throughout uh, a section of verses uh, we'll see one today in in chapter 10 uh, verses 6 through 23 uh, talking about the, the use of one's mouth um, other places um, you know again here in chapter 10 you'll see you know two verses kind of connected by um, by similar similar words within um, like the first line and the last line of the of the first verse and then uh, the last line of the first verse connects to the uh, the first line of the next, and then uh, the the theme from the first verse of the uh, first line of the first verse comes up again in the the last line of that verse. It's called a chiasm, where um, where, where you, there's there's some connection to be made there. 
with those verses. Um, other verses will have, uh, you know, we'll have some connections of, of catchwords or phrases. Um, in, in chapter 16, uh, we meet a person a few times in a row or or a man uh, in general. And then uh, there, there is one set of connections that's more easily seen in the Hebrew. Uh, there could be some play on sounds uh, between similar sounding uh, Hebrew words uh, that come up uh, over and over again in, in a series of verses as well. And that's a little more difficult to pick up in our English translation sometimes, but it's there in the originals. So we're, we're going to check out some of those today, and in, again, in the coming chapters, because this is going to dominate the conversation from here on out in our study of the book of Proverbs. Uh, just one more thought on the introduction, Pastor Hawk. When we, when we get to this section of Proverbs, and there are verses that seem like you'll go from verse 1 to verse 2, and like, well, what's, what's the connection between the first and the second? Is there a connection? How how closely should we be tying these verses together? Does Solomon mean for us to consider them individually? How, how do we—part of the challenge, I think, of the book of Proverbs, and what I hope as we go forward in this study in Sharper Iron, is to find a bit of cohesiveness. Is it supposed to be that way? Is there supposed to be a bit of disjointedness? What What do you think? Um, I, I think that's actually you know a little bit of both. Uh, we can look for cohesion uh, and you know you know ask the Holy Spirit to lead us to uh, to consider you know how how these verses are related or how the truths in one verse uh, might relate to the next. You know all of God's word is interrelated and all of all of the truth He has revealed is connected uh, in some way. Um, at the same time, uh, you know this may be also an opportunity. Uh, maybe one one verse here does stand out, and uh, unlike in narratives and in the epistles, as you mentioned before, um, it may be an opportunity to really just think deeply about that and see if there's connection to other places in Scripture, and uh, just uh, you know understand uh, the wisdom that that uh, one uh, that one verse uh, has for us. And uh, again, I think you know connecting that back again to to wisdom and uh, wisdom given from God in Christ. Uh, we're always going to be seeking that meaning, um, regardless of if we think we have just one verse on its own or it, or if it's part of a larger section. Uh, we're we're going to be asking that uh, that similar question. Um, and, and even as we consider the verses themselves, I don't know if you've been working with a, a standard definition of these uh, these proverbs uh, yet. I, I kind of like to define them. You know, these are we're going to find these sayings to be generally true um, in this life, but uh, um, not always. So we'll probably be always be able to find a, a counter example of one way or another. But if we consider it in light of eternity and in light of the uh, the, the new creation God will bring, uh, we're, we're going to see what he wants to be true and, and has planned for to be true in the wisdom that is all in all uh, in Christ. Lots of helpful stuff there, Pastor Hawk, particularly that matter of how we approach this section. And when we we do have this opportunity to dig into one verse in particular, I think that this is a helpful reminder when it comes to the scriptures that we should be reading them in large chunks together and also in very small chunks at once. And I think this section of the book of Proverbs is going to help us with that, particularly, as you said, keeping it in the context of what wisdom is, as Solomon has laid it out for us already, and particularly then in the context of the the fullness of Scripture, that it's all pointing to us to Christ crucified, who is the wisdom of God, as St. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 1. So lots of lots of helpful stuff there in that introduction. As we go forward into Proverbs 10, and this is a big chunk of text today, Pastor Hawk, and I, I don't know if you've, you've said this, you've got a, a Again, this is not always going to be true when it comes to Proverbs. In fact, I think tomorrow's chapter, chapter 11, is going to be a little more disjointed. But the way you've laid out chapter 10 in some of your notes that you sent me, I think helps us to, to get a hold of, of maybe, it's not a, a perfect structure like you might see in, in, say, Paul's epistles, but maybe can help us 
approach the text. How would you divide this chapter up for us? Well, I think, and, and all you know, so the, the out, I found these outlines uh, elsewhere, so uh, it's not uh, coming up uh, out of these uh, in thin air on my own. But uh, I think, uh, agreeing with uh, others who have uh, done this uh, work, I I see the you know the, the first five verses as a, as a basic introduction, and we'll see some ways that they connect to and uh, and flow out of and and bring the first nine chapters to bear. Uh, so they they introduce us to um, you know to the rest of this this section, but also to the idea of, of righteous living through through honest labor. And uh, and the way that uh, the wise go about that versus the foolish. Um, in the middle, the middle chunk uh, six through twenty-three, as I mentioned before, um, it seems largely a collection of sayings about the use of one's mouth, the way we use our words and our speech uh, with one another, and and also the way sometimes that uh, the keeping silent and not speaking um, is the way of wisdom, and we'll see uh, how that uh, plays out as well. And then uh, the last section, verses twenty-four to thirty-two. Um, are just, again, a contrast of, of the righteous and the wicked. Uh, those, uh, and, and again, uh, kind of a dual understanding there, the, the righteous versus the wicked, both in terms of, of, of outward behavior and, and uh, um, working in this world, but also the righteous and the wicked uh, as those who have uh, received faith in, in God, in, in Jesus Christ uh, for us, versus those who continue to reject God and his path. So we'll take the text in that breakdown. So we'll start in Proverbs 10, verses 1 through 5. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. That's verses 1 through 5 of chapter 10. We'll pause there. So, Pastor Hawk, one of the things that does stand out right away, if you've been reading all along in the book of Proverbs, is the way that verse 1 of chapter 10 does connect us to the previous nine chapters. Solomon says here, A wise son makes a glad father. A foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. We had 10 addresses to the sons in the previous chapter, so it seems like that's a pretty clear connection between these two sections. Yes, he's wanting to uh, continue his teaching and said, I've given you kind of an overall view of, of wisdom and, and again, why you would, might like it. And, and now uh, I'm going to show you what it means to, uh, to bring gladness to, uh, you know, to, to your parents. Uh, you know, here in verse one, it's, it's kind of a poetic way using father in the first line, mother in the, uh, in the second line as to, you know, m- making glad your parents or bringing sorrow uh, to your parents uh, um, by, by wisdom or by foolishness and receiving the, the teaching that they're, uh, they're handing down to you. Uh, and you know, and elsewhere we see that, that what's paramount in that relationship is the faithful reception of of God's word uh, by the son. Um, you know, hopefully, especially from his parents, but uh, wherever he gets God's word from, is receiving that and and walking uh, in that uh, in in the path of this life. I think that's a very key point to make that the the passing down of God's word and the receiving of God's word from parents to the children is is a big part of this verse. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know this too from your, your pastoral ministry, Pastor Hawk, of, of how often it is that parents, as they watch their children grow up, one of the greatest sources of sorrow for Christian parents is when their grown children walk away from the faith or or lose, they, they don't value church attendance, those those types of things that they were taught. And, and I mean, I think 
this verse comes to bear. That's just one practical application. Feel free to, to comment on that if you want. But as, as Solomon does go forward then from verse 1, which maybe serves to, again, tie up loose ends from the previous section and propel us forward into this, it seems the rest of this section starts to deal with the matter of hard work in this life and, and what it means to to do that diligently. Go ahead, start working our way forward. Yeah, and and yet uh, it, it does do that. You know, certainly verses uh, four and five, I think, bring bring that theme out uh, pretty clearly to bear. You know, a slack hand causing poverty, but the hand of the diligent, uh, making making rich. That uh, that by by hard work, uh, you know, hard work is a lot better way to to gain you know things in this life than uh, you know being lazy. Um, you know, verse five also talks about the the prudence of of working when. Um, it's time to work and perhaps resting when it's time to rest, uh, but not resting when it's time to work <laughs> um, for sure. You know, sleeping in harvest. Uh, I do some ministry uh, in with and among uh, farmers, and uh, that would be a, that would be a terrible uh, disaster and mistake <laughs> to, right. uh, uh, to take extra breaks and extra rest during the harvest. Um, and certainly two and three play in, but I think two and three uh, versus two and three here also um, do invite us to expand our view a bit. And the more I, I pondered verse two, um, I thought it connected to uh, uh, to Jesus' uh, words in, in Matthew 6, 33, where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all these things uh, will be added to you. Because verse 2 lays out, you know, what's what's the true treasure here, right? Treasures gained by wickedness. Um, and certainly, I think, you know, there in context would be the treasures of this life. Um, you know, if they're gained by wickedness, there, there's no real profit to them. Uh, you know, what does it profit a person to, to gain the whole world and yet uh, forfeit his life? Uh, but righteousness delivers from death. And certainly there's a, you know, again, a, in general, um, right living and, and walking the right path and staying out of trouble uh, will generally lead to, uh, you know, life and and longer uh, life here. And again, in general, we, we know the horrors of, of disease that ravage uh, elsewhere. Uh, but uh, uh, but certainly in that context, uh, right, the, the eternity, the eternal life uh, that the righteousness of Christ received in faith can bring, I think easily comes to mind as that which truly delivers from death. Uh, you know, if not, uh, you know, now that we fall asleep in Jesus, then forever um, as he raises us from the dead and uh, delivers us uh, ultimately and eternally from death. One of the things that stands out to me, and this is not only true in these first five verses, but throughout this chapter, is this contrast between the wicked and the righteous, or wickedness and righteousness. They, they go hand in hand. And I, that stands out to me precisely for some of the things that you were bringing out there, that I, I think one of the tendencies that we might have when it comes to the book of Proverbs is to think of wisdom and foolishness as purely an earthly thing. And certainly, there is the matter of earthly wisdom, earthly foolishness. There are some things when it comes to this life that are the wise things to do, and there are some things that are the foolish things to do. And Proverbs has much to say about that. But but as Solomon, it's, I mean, we, we've talked about Hebrew parallelism on previous episodes when it comes to poverty. And, and when he starts to, instead of wise and foolish, he talks about uh, righteous and wicked— and, and that idea of, of parallelism, I think it does invite us to, to compare those things and to consider then in the larger context of Scripture, well, what does it mean for us to be righteous? What does it mean for us to be wicked? And ultimately, the righteousness that we have in Christ is a passive one. It is one that we have received. And, and that really does help when it comes to, for example, as you said, verse 2. What does it mean that the righteous 
or righteousness will deliver us from death. Well, it's it's not my righteousness that can deliver me from death ultimately. You know, my 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 good works in this life they they might prolong my earthly life. That is very true. But ultimately, the righteousness that, that delivers from death is the righteousness of Christ that I receive through faith. And so, I mean, that's. I think that's a good example of what we were talking about at the beginning of, of putting all of this in the fuller context of Scripture and seeing Christ in it all. And and I think, and, and you may have gone there already, but I just want to make sure we're explicit in this. When we talk about this righteousness that delivers from death, I think we, we, we need to understand that this is the Old Testament hope in the resurrection of the dead. That that, that I mean, and that, when we, we're going to hear about long life elsewhere— that, that when we think of these promises of righteousness receiving long life, we need ultimately to be thinking forward all the way to the resurrection when that promise is finally and fully kept. Yes, certainly. And and even the next, and this is where the tying of the verses together you know, also go, that the next verse, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but thwarts the, the craving of the wicked. Uh, again, what what righteousness is it, or who are the you know righteous, and when will they not go hungry? Uh, you know, again, we, we can say, well, perhaps in, in general in this life, it's true. You know, we, we pray for the Lord to provide our daily bread and we trust that he provides all that we need to support this body and life. But we also know there's uh, plenty of believers around the world who uh, who sadly, uh, you know, do have times of, of hunger and thirst. But uh, uh, that also makes us look forward to, you know, sayings of Jesus like Matthew 5, 6. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Um, God satisfies us both body and soul in eternity, and uh, while we still live here in this you know, veil of sorrow and uh, uh, times of uh, trouble and trial, uh, there might be times where we physically or spiritually you know, do have experiences of hunger and thirst, uh, but ultimately in the end is when uh, he will satisfy those completely for us, even while we trust and pray and, and you know, expect him to provide us with everything we you know, absolutely need here as well. I, I think there that conversation also provides the connection then to verses four and five, which I know you mentioned briefly, we've mentioned briefly already, this matter of the slack hand that causes poverty, the hand of the diligent makes rich, the one, you know, you work when it's time to work, you rest when it's time to rest, that this is good earthly wisdom. Uh, Tying verse three into that, it is the Lord that does not let the righteous go hungry, brings to mind, I believe, oh, I'm flipping the wrong way in my Bible, Psalm 127, which is, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, I believe. is. I, th- I think I'm getting that pretty close. Mm-hmm. And it seems that you've got that similar thing going on here. Yes, work hard, work diligently, but always keep in mind that it is the Lord who is providing the daily bread. Right, yes, and it's it's his gift and his blessing that uh, that only can bring success uh, with, with anything that we put our hand to uh, as well in this life. Uh, and so, yeah, as we as we go through the Proverbs, again, we'll see that they're, they're generally true in this life, um, but also um, not, you know, also understanding that uh, uh, that when we do find success, when we do find earthly gain, when we do um, receive, you know, good things from the, the Lord's hand, we we recognize and and we remember that it's only you know from Him that uh, that you know that blessing comes, or that we, we you know maybe we just say, hey, you know, the Lord set life up to <laughs> to work that way, and praise be to Him uh, that He's keeping uh, His faithfulness to us. Let's keep moving through the text here in chapter ten. Verses 6 through 23 are going to deal a lot of a lot with what we say. So Proverbs 10, now at verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. 
Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sins. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. We'll pause there. That was Proverbs 10, verses 6 through 23, which largely deal, not not exclusively, but largely deal with the use of our words, the use of our tongues. Now, Pastor Hawk, as, as Solomon has made this transition from the first nine chapters into chapter 10, why is there this focus on the use of the mouth that's so strong here? Yeah, and, and as I, you know, again, as we think about our kind of general conception of Proverbs, uh, you know, say, hey, you know, talk to me about, you know, daily living. What do I, what should I do or not do? I'm out and about it among people. But the more I reflected on that, uh, you know, I thought, you know, actually this this makes, uh, you know, good sense as as we, we might expect from the the wise teacher, <laughs> teacher Solomon. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, and there, there's a number of things that play into that, I think, you know, wisdom and foolishness are, are passed down, perhaps even in in teaching and instruction of one form or another, right? Wise instruction or foolish instruction uh, will will lead away, and that's that's done with uh, with the mouth or with words. Um, words are also a large part of how we interact with each other on a daily basis. Um, you know, speaking or writing uh, and and con- conversing with others, and and much of, of wisdom is about how to do that well, how to interact with others well, and a large portion and percentage of our interactions are going to be with our words and with our tongue and with our speech, uh, or you know, again, as we'll see, as we saw in a couple of verses anyway, the lack thereof. Um, and I also, as I thought about it, I, I thought of the the Catechism and the Ten Commandments, as as Martin Luther. Um, expounds them and lays them out, and even as uh, um, Scripture does elsewhere, and and you could almost go right down the line and say that that at least in part or in whole, for uh, for a couple of them for sure, uh, the commandments also have to do with our speech, the way we use our words, the way we speak with one another and to one another, and ultimately to God and and receiving His word um, to us as well, and and so I think you know in the end it, it's a it's a you know wise place to start uh, to to focus on the tongue, the mouth, uh, the use of words with one another uh, because that's a, such an important part of our our daily life with each other and even our our relationship with God, receiving His word and then returning prayer and praise uh, back to Him. I'm I'm always. I'm always pleased when when guests bring up the catechism because I, I think we we would all do well to keep the catechism in mind. So, Pastor Hawk, dig into that one a little bit for us a little bit more when it comes to the connections between speech and the commandments. 
Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, obviously the first commandment wraps them all into, you know, which which God are we praising and, and naming? And that flows into the uh, the second commandment. Uh, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, but use his name rightly. Call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise and and give thanks and don't use it to to curse. Uh, right. James, James three talks about the foolishness of, of using the same mouth. We praise God with and to curse our our neighbor uh, and our, our fellow human being. And uh, again, using our, our mouth rightly in relationship to God and one another. Um, the third commandment talks about uh, holding sacred and gladly um, hearing God's word uh, to us, his word to us, and, and you know, honoring that even with our lips and with our encouragement of one another uh, to, to not give up meeting together uh, as some are accustomed to doing, but, uh, but you know, rejoicing to gather together to hear God's word. Um, the fourth commandment uh, speaks of honoring our, our parents and, and other authorities, and that includes right, speaking well of them and speaking well to them and, and with them. Uh, you, know, it, you know, in terms of teaching children, we talk about things like politeness and saying please and thank you and uh, you know, using our, our respectful uh, tones of voices uh, with them as well, uh, not just with our parents, but our teachers and, and other authorities around us. Um, you know, going on to the fifth commandment, Jesus shows how angry words fall under murder uh, in, in Matthew chapter five. Um, he says, if you, you know, if you call someone a fool um, and are angry with him in your heart, uh, you have uh, you have broken the commandments against uh, murder um, in that way. Uh, it, it was actually a refreshing surprise again to me in the sixth commandment when I remembered and realized, you know, Luther explained it. Uh, you know, we should actually words come first. We should lead a sexually pure and decent life. And what we say and do <laughs> um, that that the the speech and honoring of marriage, um, the honoring of the the spousal relationship, um, there is is a key factor in, uh, in in honoring and keeping the sixth commandment, um, the seventh commandment with with stealing, uh, right? Stealing is a physical act, perhaps, but but then right, I'd have to use my words, perhaps, to try to I could you know use those to steal to con someone out of out of money or possessions or or then to convince others that I've gotten them in some honest way to uh, kind of smooth over what I've done wrong. Um, our words uh, help us tell those uh, uh, white lies and not so white lies uh, that kind of cover the other sins that we've committed. Um, the Eighth Commandment uh, certainly speaks uh, directly to it. Don't uh, bear false witness against uh, your neighbor. Uh, so, you know, speak honestly, speak truthfully. Um, you know, even, even the phrase of putting the best construction on everything um, it comes into play here with with how we uh, speak about our our neighbors and and relate to them uh, to their face and and behind their back to other people around us. Um, and as we think about the commandments of coveting, uh, right, uh, Luther describes those in terms of you know scheming uh, to get our neighbor's possession or wealth or enticing uh, people and workers uh, away from them. Um, and again, you know, oftentimes leading to to stealing or or denying our neighbor what is theirs, largely by use of our our mouth and our words. Uh, so, so there's, you know, with all the commandments, there's a, there's a connection to the way we can use our our speech, and we and we say this when we confess in the worship service. You know, I confess that, you know, I've sinned against God by thought, word, and deed. Mm. Um, but I, I I wonder how I know I know I maybe don't always consider how I've used my words to to hurt or harm others or to uh, break one of the commandments of the Lord and and try to find which you know where exactly I need to repent and uh, um, seek the Lord's help. Yeah, the the words that we speak are are an important part of our life, something that the Lord has a lot to say about in the Ten Commandments. And here in this section of Proverbs chapter 10, you're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're going to take a short break, but we will be right back. Please stick around.
Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, September 14th. We're studying Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 32. We've got Pastor Joel Hawk with us. He serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in Rochester, Minnesota. Pastor Hawk, part of the break, we... We're looking at, we read verses 6 through 23 of chapter 10 here, and we talked about the use of the mouth, the way that the Lord speaks to our words and the commandments, and Solomon has a lot to say about the way that we use our lips, our tongues, here in in this middle section of Proverbs chapter 10. It it gets started there, you know, verses 6, the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. That's, That's where you get very clearly the topic of the mouth coming up. Some places are a little more implicit and not as explicit as others. Uh, one of the things that stands out is the idea of, of blessing there at the beginning, which also comes up at the end of this section as well. Yeah, and, and the blessing that uh, especially comes from the Lord is, is clear in verse 22. Uh, uh, bl- you know, Blessings are on the head of the righteous is verse 6, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And uh, book ended with, with verse 22, the blessing of the Lord uh, makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Um, or you know, if you have a, a Bible, you probably have in your notes, you know, toil adds nothing to it. Um, and a reminder um, for us that uh, you know, the, the blessing of the Lord is is the richness uh, that we want, to, the words of blessing that he speaks, and that uh, you know, in these days he, he declares to us uh, through his word, um, certainly uh, formally through his, uh, through his called servants as they uh, uh, speak the, the benediction over the congregation uh, on, in the divine service, but also the, the words of blessing we can give to one another with the encouragement of Scripture as well. And, and uh, the opportunity then we have to, to bless one another and, and you know, bless and not curse uh, our, our enemies. Um, the, the, a text from Romans said in our, our worship services a couple of weeks ago. So um, that reminding of, of using our words to bless and not curse, uh, to bless and not uh, cover over violence, uh, um, you know, that we, or conceal violence and kind of, you know, explain sin away uh, would be uh, the way I would understand that. Um, it was it's a helpful use for our words and to receiving the words of the Lord. In verse 8, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. That phrase, babbling fool, comes up again in verse 10. And and just, I mean, the, the picture here, I think, is one that makes sense to us, where, you know, someone who's wise is going to receive the commandments. In other words, you're listening. I think that this is something that, you know, when it comes to the use of our lips, it sometimes contrasts to the use of our ears. And, and James, of course, reminds us to be using our ears more than we use our lips in James chapter 1. This, this babbling fool that comes to ruin, what's the, what's the picture there? Yeah, and, and there's there's different words for fool. I'm um, in the Proverbs, uh, at least in the uh, in the original language of the Hebrew, uh, and and this this word here, at least uh, in many points, seems to be a kind of a step above, just kind of a, a generic fool, if you will. But this would be you know, one who who generally like willfully, who maybe knows uh, what is wise, who knows what is good, and yet still chooses um, evil and wickedness anyway, and, and does so time and again, uh, and, and sometimes even because he's blind to um, the results of his foolishness, he doesn't see the um, disasters bringing on him or others, or perhaps even doesn't care as long as the outcome for him 
uh, is just fine. Um, you know, this this babbling fool seems to also be one who's you know all lips and and all talk, but uh, you know no no action, no results. Uh, sort of uh, sort of understanding as well from our kind of modern um, idea of of things, um, and and then they uh, they will come to ruin, right? Uh, they you know God will ultimately you know judge and uh, um, and show their foolishness to them um, in the end. Uh, you know, at, at the very least, as they continue to reject him and his words, or you know, and in some ways, we might even you know pray for this that they you know wise up, if you will, and that they receive mm-hmm. God's wisdom, uh, that they listen to God's word and uh, and receive His instruction, receive His uh, commandments, and receive uh, the blessing that comes from His righteousness uh, again. And so, yeah, uh, also then that contrast with the, the righteous and the, the wise of heart who who are ready to and willing to listen and learn, uh, not only from those around them but also from the Lord. In verse 9, the image, and it's connected to what we say, but the image goes to a familiar one in the book of Proverbs, the idea of walking or a, a mm-hmm. way. One is, is walking in a way that walks securely. The other is a, a crooked way. Uh, take us into that verse. Yeah, and again, you know, it's helpful to remember, you know, Proverbs is generally true, right? We can all you know, find the news stories where the uh, you know, the crooked, uh, you know, seem to do uh, well enough in this life, thank you very much, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they got found out after, after death, uh, excuse me, in the public, but uh, as long as they were alive, uh, you know, maybe even people kind of knew their crookedness, but uh, no one could kind of nail it down on them. So um, the, the ultimate hope in, in these Proverbs also uh, you know, also comes from uh, the point of view of eternity, when uh, those who walk in integrity, those who walk in uh, the uprightness of heart that comes through faith in Jesus, uh, you know, their way will be made secure. They will walk securely forever. Uh, and then, yes, it is true that, you know, whether it's, you know, at or after death or, or at the end, uh, you know, God God knows the way of the crooked, and that will be uh, found out, and it will be uh, revealed to all as crookedness. Um, and so, uh, uh, so we look to to God to to guide us and lead us. And again, it's not to dissuade us from integrity if somehow we feel insecure uh, in that, but it's to to encourage us to the perspective that that you know God sees, God knows, God has given us righteousness, God has given us. Uh, integrity of heart in Christ, and as we walk in Him, and we walk according to His Word, uh, then we know we have a secure uh, and firm foundation for our, our path through this life, but also into the next. Hmm. Verse 11, again, using this these contrasts between righteous and wicked, or righteousness and wickedness, in, in verse 11, where you've got this image of the mouth of the righteous being the fountain of life, and the mouth of the wicked concealing violence, again, as we were saying earlier, that's one of those places, well, certainly, the person who has earthly wisdom, it's going to be a, a pleasure to listen to him. His words will be helpful, as opposed to the the mouth of that one who doesn't know what he's talking about. But but I think, again, there's a, a bigger picture there when it comes to righteous and wicked, that this is another opportunity for us to consider how the faith we have in Christ actually plays itself out, particularly here in our words. Yes, and, and ultimately, uh, elsewhere in Scripture, uh, uh, the Word of God and uh, and the, the way that he speaks to us is described as as the fountain of life, and so um, that imagery of, of receiving that, uh, you know, the believer receiving that, and then it overflowing out of him uh, the, the eternal truth and the eternal wisdom of, of faith in in God's work for us. Uh, that is the the true and ultimate fountain of, of life, the fountain of eternal life uh, for us. And and Jesus reflects this. Uh, he says when when the when in Luke six forty three to forty five he talks about the the good tree or the good person right made made that way by faith in Jesus they will bring forth uh, good fruit. Uh, he says out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. 
um, such as the same uh, of the wicked um, as well, that they will, you know, they will overflow into wicked speech uh, and crooked speech as well. Um, but uh, when we by faith in Jesus receive the fountain of life uh, from God and his word, uh, then it also is to, to flow out of us in our speech as well. Right. Again, the importance of, I think, again, of, of listening that goes with the speaking. As, as Christians, we listen first to God's Word before we speak. And, and when we're listening to God's Word, then what we speak, it, it overflows from what we've heard. Uh, verse verse 12 here is, I think, it sounds it sounds familiar from the New Testament. If I'm not mistaken, I think it, it shows up somewhere in the New Testament. And again, let's put it in the context of, of speaking, that hatred stirs up strife, love covers all offenses— you you brought up the commandments earlier. That sounds a lot like what Luther says when he talks about putting the best construction on on things or explaining everything in the kindest way. Yes, certainly. And uh, um, you know, if I if I'm stirring up strife, if I'm wanting to uh, uh, to to stir the pot, so to speak, uh, the easiest way is to just kind of make these right these small whispers and these uh, um, you know small little jabs and kind of get people uh, on edge with each other. Uh, but uh, yeah, and it's First Peter four eight that uh, that also then says you know love covers over a multitude of sins. Uh, not that it uh, not that it ignores it necessarily, but it also it also has the wisdom of saying you know okay maybe this sin wasn't uh, you know intentional or this person's not coming from a, a place of uh, you know true hardness of heart. Uh, you know as in this context I thought of you know you know a, a person you know myself <laughs> coming home uh, from a, a long day at, at work of ministry and uh, maybe things didn't go well or I had a tough uh, thing going on and I, I come home and I'm not in a good mood and, and perhaps, you know, sin against my, my wife and my children, right? And I'm, I'm no seeking to excuse that. Um, but, uh, you know, but, but, you know, at least my, my wife certainly can perhaps, you know, if she's walking in wisdom um, and she often does, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, we, with one another, we can say, well, let's not react harshly in this moment. Uh, we'll have the opportunity later to, to kind of see, see where that came from and uh, uh, understanding the nature of, of our, of our calling at work, uh, you know, understand, okay, you know, again, we don't want to, we don't want to uh, excuse or, or condone sin, but we can, we can understand where it came from and not react harshly in the moment. We can cover over that for a while and then cover it with the grace of Christ rather than the harsh rebuke or the, uh, the, the stirring up of strife uh, there that can come from antagonism with one another. Yeah, I mean, love, love covering all offenses, or as you said in First Peter, love covers a multitude of sins is not winking the eye at sin or simply saying it's okay, but I think we, we should understand it as this is love forgives sins. I mean, the, I think Paul includes that in 1 Corinthians 13, where he talks about love, that great chapter concerning love. I know in, um, I looked up uh, Colossians chapter 3, where, where Paul writes in verse 12 and following, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And of course, then he, he continues that this happens when the word of Christ dwells in us richly. I mean, these, these same things that Solomon is talking about all come together there with Paul, too, that this this love that covers offenses is a is a forgiveness. It's not a, it's not maybe tolerance is is the word that that our world will use they just sort of live and let live this is this is an actual forgiveness and as you mentioned i mean this is this is what is so important in the in the marriage relationship between a husband and wife that that a husband and wife would be forgiving each other and and in that way love covering those offenses rather than letting those words of of hatred 
stir up and build up all kinds of strife. So again, I mean, you can just see the the very practical wisdom from Solomon here, but also the connection constantly to Christ and his forgiveness. Uh, Pastor Hawk, as, as we continue, I mean, there's no way we can go verse by verse, as, as you and I both know. Uh, what what else? Let's let let's see. Let's move to verse 16. You've got a few notes on verse 16. The wage of the righteous leads to life. Again, it sounds like more of that that same talk about the righteousness that comes from Christ. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, again, we could uh, you know we could perhaps put it in the. Uh, uh, the context, so, you know, or you could try to put it in the context of works righteousness, saying if I do good, then I'll, I'll get life. If I do evil, I'll, I'll, I'll um, you know, get death. Um, but uh, you know, the 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 gain of the wicked um, leading to sin, um, you know, you know, speaks of you know, hey, what, what do they heap up for themselves, or, or by the by the way they get their their riches? And it also brings to mind uh, Romans six twenty three, right, that the wages of sin um, is death, but the free gift of God. Um, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, and that's the the, the wage of the righteous um, is is again still what's given by God, and that's going to to lead to life. Uh, and as they you know again work in that and and lead, lead their life in in Christ, uh, then they're always on the path uh, to life and uh, as God's free gift uh, from from Him through Christ. Yeah, and again, that's not to say that there's no application to life here and now. I mean, it, it is true that, generally speaking, when we engage in righteous deeds right now, those works that God has given in the Ten Commandments, that life tends to go better. But ultimately, we see the fulfillment of this verse in Christ, in the resurrection of the dead. Uh, let's let's see, Pastor Hawk, take us into verses 17 and 18 as well. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Yeah, so verse 17, uh, again, this is idea of the path to life and leading uh, others astray, right? Heeding instruction is, you know, letting our mouth be silent for a while, listening to others and uh, letting them then lead us, again, both in, in worldly wisdom, but also in, in eternal wisdom. Um, you know, both both things are, are true. The more I'm willing to, to learn and to be guided by those who have gone before me and have, have wisdom that's been gained and and have it to share share and pass along. Not that I have to follow lockstep in their footsteps, but to take what they have given and and uh, then uh, use it uh, for my own, especially in, in earthly wisdom, right? In, in eternal wisdom, we do want to follow in the footsteps of Christ uh, uh, pretty clearly, but he's always ready and willing to, to call us back when we do go astray. Uh, and, and those who right, reject reproof are rejecting the wisdom of others, whether it's those around them or God. And, and uh, ultimately, then, you know, they'll be uh, kind of like the blind leading the blind. They'll, they'll be trying to forge their own path. And, uh, you know, that, that's not going to go well, uh, whether it's you know, usually in this life or certainly in eternity. And if they get others to follow them, uh, that, that will lead to everyone's uh, destruction as well. Uh, and, and verse 18, he just can, kind of continues the theme. Uh, those, uh, you know, even talks about you know, a little bit of hypocrisy and 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 gossip um, here, uh, you know, and slandering others. Uh, those who are um, dragging other people's name through through the mud, um, you know, are, is someone who's you know, not going to uh, to come to uh, a good fruition in this life. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're labeled a fool <laughs> uh, and one with lying lips. Um, they're they're not speaking truthfully, and they're not speaking uh, in ways that will be helpful to others. Hmm. Pastor Hawk, we got about 12 minutes here on the morning, so I'm going to read the rest of the text for us. Verses 24 through the end, 32. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. 
When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. That's the end of Proverbs chapter 10. That was verses 24 through 32. Pastor Hawk, the primary contrast here in these verses, and this has been true throughout this chapter, we've seen this over and over, is the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. What do we see in verse 24 to get us started? Yeah, verse 24, all right, with the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Um, And again, as as we think of righteousness, um, it's not that, well, okay, somehow, you know, a righteous person could potentially then have a, a wicked or evil desire that will be granted just because they're righteous. No, it's, it's that the word of the Lord has uh, you know, transformed their uh, their desires. And again, in the light of eternity, uh, right, the desires of the righteous, those who love the Lord and his ways, um, it will be granted to them to be with him and to walk in his ways uh, continually uh, and forever. Uh, conversely, uh, right, the wicked usually uh, dread um, you know, the law and the punishment for sin, but even uh, sometimes dread the, the one who will dole that out. They, they even can dread the idea of God and the idea of an eternal punishment. And uh, though they dread it and fear it and, and may seek to uh, avoid it throughout this life, uh, they, they cannot escape it. Uh, it will come upon us. Judgment Day will come upon all. And um, whether we've received faith in Christ uh, or not uh, will we'll come to light. Mm. Verse 25 then fits with that same idea. This this image of the the tempest is an image of judgment. Yes, and it's used as uh, as uh, an image of God's judgment and uh, over sin throughout the scripture. Isaiah 66 is another place. For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Uh, but right, the, the righteous is established forever. The righteous will withstand uh, that through faith uh, in Christ, through faith in God's salvation for him and in the trusting faith uh, for him. God's judgment is to uh, to deal with wickedness once and for all. And um, you know, Matthew 7, 24 to 27 uh, came to mind as well when Jesus talks about those who hear uh, his word and, and do them, uh, receiving them in faith and uh, living in repentance and faith is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Uh, when the storm came, he had a solid foundation. Uh, the foolish, uh, the foolish one who didn't receive those words or or work by those, uh, then was uh, was washed away uh, in the rain flood uh, as well. And again, it's it's the hearing of the word of Jesus in faith uh, that is ultimately paramount, and the difference between the the wicked and the righteous, or the the foolish and the wise. Mm. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. That's a, I think that's a good verse that puts into, into context what we've been talking about in terms of how this applies in this life and how it's fulfilled in the, in the life of the world to come. Okay, so the fear of the Lord, if I'm a Christian, that'll prolong my life? Well, maybe right now, ultimately in the resurrection, I mean, we've we've heard this in gospel readings recently in the church here in Matthew chapter 16, that that those who would find their life right now need to actually lose their life right now. So so how how do we understand verse 27? 
Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head. There's two time frames in view. And uh, we also want to think about, you know, also in terms of the way God intended the world to work as he might have set it up originally. And now right now, right now we live in a time where there's sin, there's disease, there's death, there's disaster. There's all these things that can I can shorten life, even for those who have uh, received God in faith, including right persecution, including uh, bearing the cross for Christ uh, and, and the wickedness uh, that we see there. Um, but God intended, you know, His His path to to lead to life um, originally. Uh, we can see that cut short in various uh, in various ways. Uh, but again, barring things like disease or dis- or disaster or death or a lot of the other things that do befall, <laughs> still do befall the righteous. Uh, right, following the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, as as the guide for Christians, uh, will generally um, are you know, they're generally meant to set up to say, Here, here's how you can interact well with others, and you're not going to get others at least, you know, coming against you, attacking you. You're not going to you know, get into prison or find yourself on death row, uh, things like that. Uh, but yeah, it, ultimately, we need to uh, consider this one in the light of eternity. Uh, that when that the, as the fear of the Lord is the, the beginning of wisdom, and as the fear of the Lord leads us to faith in Christ, uh, then then we're going to find eternal life. Then then He will give us the life that truly matters. Uh, and the years of the wicked, though perhaps they find a way to extend their life uh, here in in this life, uh, they'll lose the life uh, that truly matters. And and we'll see that their years will truly be short uh, in terms of uh, the, the eternal life that God would have for for all people. And I mean, I think that flows right into verse 28, that the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The hope of the righteous, this is ultimately resurrection, and that does bring us joy. The expectation of the wicked will perish. When when all you have is hope for this life, ultimately that does perish. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, our hope is already certain right now because of God's promises. And so um, even now, I, I think we too, we can live life in joy, however short it is, because we know our hope is so um, certain because of God's deliverance for us in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 5, 5 comes to mind that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, certainly there's a lot that uh, could get us down in life, uh, certainly in these uh, coronavirus times and uh, the way life has kind of been flipped upside down. But the, the Christian has a sure and certain and steadfast hope still um, in these times. Jesus has still died and he is still risen and, and ascended and ruling over all things. And therefore, the Christian can still have joy, even in the midst of despair and sadness and sorrow. Um, joy can still reign because we, we have the eternity uh, sure and certain for us in, in Jesus' uh, Jesus work for us. That, that certainty flows into verse 29. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless. I think that, that makes perfect sense. But then it says, but destruction to evildoers. How is it that the way of the Lord can be both of those things, a stronghold to the blameless, but also destruction to the evildoers? Well, because it's it's the same way, right? Uh, it's the way of the Lord, um, and we can even look to Christ who says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Uh, God has one way, uh, and as we, we follow that you know, through faith in Christ uh, and receiving that way from him, and uh, you know, included in that is confession and absolution, um, repentance and faith, uh, um, sin and forgiveness uh, for that sin. It's not, it's not that we follow that way perfectly in terms of our, our deeds and actions here, uh, but it's the way of faith in Christ. Um, that same way, right, looks like foolishness to the world. It, it's mocked and rejected by the world. Um, and so as as you know, as that way continues to be and is ultimately eternally shown to be the only way to uh, to eternal life, um, it's it's the way the evildoers avoided, but it will be their destruction. and Jesus will will be their judge, even if that's not his ultimate and primary um, you know intention or 
or uh, desire for for all people. You know, John John three puts it uh, pretty clearly, right? God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, uh, but have eternal life. Uh, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Uh, so the the way to eternal life is is Christ, and uh, that way uh, then will be the the downfall of of the wicked and evildoers because they have not walked in it. We've got about three and a half minutes here, Pastor Hawk. In verses thirty one and thirty two of the chapter, return to that theme of of the mouth and what we say, and also tie together the righteous and the wicked. These these same themes are all coming together in those last two verses with with a, about three minutes. Give us what you got for those verses. Help us to, to summarize. I know we've talked about a lot, and I know maybe yeah. <laughs> it seems a bit disjointed, but but help us to draw it all together here in Christ. Well, and like you said, I think these are good um, verses to kind of wrap it up with. Um, you know, the, verse 31 especially makes a little more sense with if you remember the tree imagery. If, if you look in Proverbs 3.18, wisdom is depicted as a tree of life, um, and the righteous person will bear the fruit of this tree. Um, it'll, the righteous person with their words, I mean, with their life will bring forth the wisdom that they themselves have received um, as, you know, as branches of the true vine, you know, as, as Jesus says in John 15, that I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, uh, as, as those connected to Christ, our lives will flow forth from his life, including the, the speech that we uh, share with others, both uh, both our, our witnessing to him and his, uh, his salvation, uh, but also the way we bless and speak well of others and fulfill all the commandments uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives uh, with others as God gives us grace. Um, you know, with the, the perverse tongue, which which has you know, doesn't flow from that, right? Uh, um, that is like a branch that's producing no fruit or rotten fruit, and it will be cut off, um, whether at some point in this life, but certainly for eternity again. So that theme of looking at these in eternity uh, is right there uh, as well. Uh, in, verse, in verse 32 uh, helps us, uh, again, understand the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable or uh, perhaps what is, they know favor, they know goodwill, uh, they know the favor and gracious will and wisdom of God, they know what is acceptable in God's eyes, and they will, they will you know, it's not that they know that, they also then speak that um, as well and help others understand that and call others uh, to the way of wisdom found in Christ. And again, right, the mouth of the wicked does not and cannot know that. And so they will speak only what comes out of you know their own heart or the common uh, you know human condition, uh, which again you know isn't always you know pure uh, evil uh, you know at all times, but it but it ultimately comes from a place of, of lack of faith in Christ, and uh, will ultimately lead to downfall and destruction for eternity if followed uh, to its end. Uh, and so so I, I think in this in this chapter uh, right we see we see the the wisdom. Uh, coming forward from uh, chapters one through nine, Solomon's continuing to address his his sons and uh, helping them to see uh, a little bit more concretely, perhaps here in in chapter ten, how his his exposition of wisdom and, and why it's uh, to be preferred and and enjoyed and rejoiced in, uh, why that uh, plays itself out. Um, yes, at times and in general here in this life, uh, but also wanting them to have the eternal perspective of what of what God uh, is doing and has done for them and and will do. Uh, for forever for them. Pastor Joel Hawk serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in Rochester, Minnesota, helping us this morning with Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 32. Pastor Hawk, thanks for being our guest today. You're welcome. It was good to be with you again. 
wisdom and righteousness are a gift of God in Christ Jesus, and that wisdom and righteousness overflow from our hearts in faith into our lips and what we speak. And it is a joy to know that Christ brings it all to fulfillment in the resurrection on the last day. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.